Welcome to Redemption's Hill podcast. For more information about Redemption's Hill, go to redemptionshill.com. So, hey, welcome. I'm glad that you're here this morning. Um, I'm excited to, to be here to share the word. I'm glad to see a lot of you back. I want to welcome any visitors uh, that we have this morning. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we have a couple visitors on the front row I want to call out here. Uh, no, we're, we're super happy to have uh, Pastor TJ and Ali back with us. So glad and grateful that they were able to, um, to get away, to, to rest and recharge. Um, and, and I'm happy uh, to get TJ back to work and back up here behind the pulpit. So my name is Garrett Richards. I'm an elder here if you're visiting us. Um, and, uh, and I preached last week as well. Uh, so we're continuing this morning in our series in Romans. Um, and we've been in chapter 12 the last, this will be the fourth week now uh, that we've been in chapter 12. And last week we covered verses 9 through 13, which if you didn't catch that, um, it was really uh, Paul's message to the church of how to love the Christian community well, how to love our Christian brothers and sisters genuinely, right? A real love while hating evil and clinging to good. Paul showed us through the text, and we, and we tried to break that down. Um, he showed us how true love is several things, right? To love like Jesus is several things. It's committed it's patient, it's sacrificial, it's humble, we talked about, it's active, it's work sometimes. That's what we talked about last week. And then we prayed for the Spirit to really show us what do we do with this message that we have, right? We should hopefully be praying that every week, like, hey, thank you for your word, God, now what do I do with that? What does it mean for me? So we asked the Spirit maybe to show us how we can love our Christian brothers and sisters more like Jesus, right? We always want to keep Jesus in front of us because that's why we even care about all of this, right? We care and we want to love others better because Jesus loved us perfectly. When we weren't looking for it or deserving of it, right? That's what the whole first 11 chapters of Romans was about. Jesus loved us when we didn't deserve it and because of his love, we then want to love our brothers and sisters in Christ well. That's something that we strive for. But this week, as we get into the text, we're going to see the shift um, of our focus a bit from how we love our brothers and sisters or, or how we love those that we like, people that we enjoy being around, or maybe even those that we can just like try to tolerate because we have this gospel in common. We're going to see this shift from how we love those people to how we love and treat our enemies, those who aren't part of the club, right? Those who treat us poorly, those who attack us and maybe hurt us. So if you would, if you brought them, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. If not, we're going to put it on the screens for you today. We're going to be in verses 14 through 21. And we'll read it all, and then we'll kind of come back um, and focus on a specific part of that. Romans chapter 12, starting with verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. 
Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 20, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your instruction. God, we just, uh, we're probably gonna need your help this morning to hear it. We're gonna need your spirit to, to open our ears to it. Maybe illuminate to us how we can love our brothers and sisters well, but also just love the world well. How those who are opposed to your way, God, how we love them. Lord, would, we, would you teach us to just reflect your character well? Lord, that people would see your love, that they would see your son Jesus through us and we would love to the best we can like you have loved us. We love you, we praise your mighty name. Amen. Amen. So do you, do you know anybody who's just, when we talk about love, right, and loving people, do you know anybody who's just easy to love? Like they're, they're just... Like, it's just easy. Like, they're cool. Maybe you think they're cool. They're thoughtful. They're just really likable people, right? Those people that you, you, maybe you just first meet and you just hit it off, right? Immediately. Did we just become best friends, right? Yup. Like, it's just natural for us or, or so, some people are just easier to love, right? It's great when that happens. Don't you wish it was like that for everybody? Like, if every person that we meet was like that person you want to grow up to be. That would be awesome. I am so blessed in that I know people like that. Like I have people like that, that even standing here as a man in my late 30s, I still feel kind of this internal tug to like want to sit at their lunch table, right? Like that's the cool kids table I want to set. Those are people that I just want to be around. They're good friends, at this point in my life, they, they love the Lord well. That's something that's important to me. They care about me. They care about my family. They're just easy to love, right? And maybe you have those people too. I hope that you do. I hope that you have maybe an inner circle of people who you just want to hold close, that you enjoy being around, that it's easy to love. But even if you struggle to think of somebody in particular, or maybe you even struggle to understand what that would be like. I'd venture to bet that if I asked, do you know anybody who's difficult to love? You'd probably have somebody come to mind, right? A lot of us would instantly have someone come to mind like, they're just hard. 
to love. Like maybe they're not like, they're not bad people or anything, but like being around them isn't necessarily something you'd volunteer to do like on your day off, right? Loving them in the ways like we talked about last week is just more work, especially maybe more work than those in your inner circle, those at your lunch table, right? Some people are just easier for you to love than others. And I want to tell you, first off, that's, that's okay. That's totally fine, right? It's not a sin to feel that way as long as, as we heard last week, we're striving to love those more difficult people, as long as we're working to love them like Jesus. As we point out last week, that takes a lot of sacrifice and repentance sometimes, right? But as long as we're trying to love them like Jesus, that's fine. And, and we want to keep that in front of us, that Jesus is the reason that we're doing all of this. Those people that we're not naturally inclined to just want to be around us, this is not a, a great mesh, right? Jesus is the reason that we still pursue and love those people. But as difficult as some of your friends and maybe your family, for sure, or maybe even your brothers and sisters in Christ are to love? What about your enemies, right? How hard is it to love your enemies? And this is where Paul is truly going to press us this morning to love like Jesus. Because it sounds a lot better, right? It sounds a lot easier for us. We're way more welcome to the idea of, hey, I need to love people that I like or that bring me something or they're at least in like this Jesus club with me. I need to try to love them well, but what about those who aren't? What about your enemies? So if last week was a tough message to hear, <laughs> buckle up, all right? So what we see right off the bat this morning is verses 14 through 16 kind of serve as this transition Right, from what we taught last week, we're really talking about, to the believer, we're really talking about how to love your brothers and sisters in Christ well. So we have a few verses here where, where Paul sort of transitions from the family of Christ to the world, right? Bless those who persecute you. Bless them and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. This is just sort of like a transition, right? About loving our Christian community into loving those outside the family of God. And as we saw last week, that these parallels between Paul's instruction to the church in Rome and Jesus and his sermon on the mount. Here, Paul says, that to live and love like Jesus is to be a blessing to those around us. Our brothers and sisters and the world as well. We, we can be a blessing to those who are mourning by mourning with them. We can be a blessing to those who rejoice by rejoicing with them. And even we can be a blessing to those who are persecuting us. So this transition, we see ways to love both sides, right? Our Christian community and the world. And we do that, we want to keep in front of us these last several weeks that we are to be humble, 
to be patient, committed, and sacrificing. These are the ways we love not only our community well, but our enemies. So we're going to spend the bulk of our time really focusing on verse 17, verses 17 through 21. And let's read through that just one more time. Paul says, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul says, love your enemies. Love your enemies. We often stress from the pulpit that the gospel of Jesus is countercultural, right? We talked last week. The way Paul tells us how to love those around us is not the way the world loves. And so I've certainly been struck by that the last couple weeks, not only how we love differently with those that we like or our family, but how countercultural this message is of how we treat our enemies, especially in our world right now. At a time when, if you are serious about your faith, if you're serious about trying to make disciples, when it feels like our world's common tongue is conflict right now, how countercultural or against the grain this message is to us. A few weeks ago, I, uh, I had been sharing with my MC, just feeling overwhelmed a bit by just what, just what's going on, right? Like it's just, it's, a, it's an onslaught out there. It's rough. And so what I, what I did is I took all the social media off my phone. I did that for a couple reasons. One, the main reason that I have social media is I want to see like pictures of your adventures, like your, your bike on the side of a mountain or, or whatever, you know, whatever water park you're at. I want to see pictures of the awesome food that you're having. I want to be a little bit jealous of that. I want to see cute pictures of your kids. That's what I have it for. But I feel like what I was seeing on there, and I don't think this is a stretch. I think you'll agree that, that when I opened it, I felt like what I saw most was just hatred and stone throwing and evil. And it was just weighing down my soul, right? I just felt to this point where it's almost like, God, I don't know what we're going to do. Like, I don't know how we come back from this, God. Like, it just, it was taking my eyes off of Jesus. And so I, I took it off my phone. And, and let me tell you something, I've survived, right? It's good, it's fine. But we are living in a world now that deals with our enemies and really anybody in conflict with payback. It's something that we dream about 
We make movies about it. We write songs and books about it. We almost celebrate this idea of getting even. The perfectly timed comeback, right? That mic drop moment where you step back and you just, you just burn somebody, right? The sorry, not sorry age that we live in sees any time that we're offended, if we can somehow repay that, we see that as justice, right? The world sees that as justice, but Paul and Jesus see that as evil. They see that as repaying evil, something that was done wrong to you or an offense to you, as repaying that with evil. And so we need to make sure this morning that we don't get too confused, okay? This is why I share with TJ this morning, and and I feel like I say it almost every time I'm up here, so I apologize, but this is really why I think preaching exegetically through a text is so important. Why it's so good for my heart. Because we see what Paul's message is as a whole. Okay, and here's what I mean by that. We want to keep today's text in front of us. And we want to see that really. Last week, Paul, his directive was to hate evil. Right? He says that's how we love. Is that we have to hate evil. But this week he's saying don't repay evil with evil. So what is it? Like are we, are we loving evil? Are we hating evil? It's not a change. It wasn't hate evil last week and like tolerate evil this week. We love people while hating evil and still clinging to good. So we have to keep our, our definition and our understanding of what it means to hate evil from last week in front of us. Paul says that to repay evil with evil is to immediately lose that battle. Immediately lose the battle to evil. So we should, as believers, if we've been transformed by the saving work of Jesus, we should be handling ourselves in conflict differently than the world. The world may celebrate it, Right? It may program us to feel vindicated somehow, but we are to be responding differently. We should look different than the world. And the world is really good at conflict right now. Professional conflict expert, macho man Randy Savage says it this way. He says, you should never put your enemies down. That won't resolve the issue. It's better to lift them up high and then body slam them for maximum damage. I'm so glad you guys laughed. If you didn't get that, I'm not saying that your childhood was bad. I'm just saying some some of us had it better, right? So as awesome as that is, we are called to hate evil, which means we should seek to defeat it to overcome it. And we don't do that like the world does it. We don't do it through payback or mob justice or cancel culture or a flying elbow drop. We defeat evil with love is what Paul tells us. The only way to defeat evil and offense in conflict is by doing good to the one who has done harm. 
doing good to them, not by hating them, which is super difficult. It's really hard. And I want to acknowledge that, right? That when you feel wronged, following Jesus doesn't mean that you, you don't get your feelings hurt and that this isn't difficult. But we are called in our lives to be a living sacrifice. That's a tough word that we say often and, and maybe don't weigh what that means. So this is really hard. And, and part of the reason why it's difficult to love people and love our enemies and love those who have hurt us or wronged us is because we usually identify evil too closely with the evildoer, right? We can make what was done to us that person's identity. The perpetrator, that's who they are. So we believe, or we at least act as though, that we need to destroy the evildoer in order to destroy the evil. So we go scorched earth, right? We want to see everything burn. We want to tear everyone down to the ground. And then we somehow put this self-righteous spin on it. At least those of us who are believers, who know a little bit about the word, we're really good about using that to justify completely destroying somebody who hurt us or whose opinion is different than us or who just offended us. It's not just the current cancel culture that is doing this. We, it's baffling to me. Baffling to me that our ability, the world's ability to just agree to disagree is not even a thing anymore. Not even possible. So it feels like walking through a minefield to have any kind of belief, any kind of ethics or moral that we're called to it's really difficult. But Christians can be just as guilty of this. We are just able maybe to put a self-righteous spin on us. And that makes us feel like we're doing the right thing somehow. As I thought about this message this week and this text in relation to the text last week and, and just what I see currently in culture, I think that the church, I think we've done this for a long time. I think that, that some churches, not, not we, Big C Church here. I think that sometimes we, we cross the wires of hating evil like we saw in verse 9 last week in that, that we apply that in the wrong way. Right? The directive last week in hating evil and clinging to good is how we love our Christian brothers and sisters. And I think sometimes we get that wrong, that we, we eagerly apply that to the world. Right? It may be hard for us to, to call out that sin or evil or hurtful behavior or pattern that we see in those that we loved for all the reasons we talked about last week. But, but the church has been accused, and sometimes rightly, of having far less of a problem doing that with the world or with our enemies, but not to those who we love. We will proudly hate the evil we see in the world and in our enemies. We'll share those Facebook posts and retweets all day long. 
But as we saw, we are probably not as faithful in hating evil in those within the church or those who believe what we believe, those whose love that we love, and especially in our own hearts. And that's something we need to wrestle with this morning. Don't get me wrong. We should hate evil we see in the world. We should work and want to see it overcome, but we should also be sure that we are loving people while attacking the evil that harms them and those around them. And so that's where it gets hard. How do we do that? How do we do that? Well, first, I think we have to see evil as something above and distinct from the evildoer. Right? We have to see evil as something that someone does and not who they are because that's how our father saw us. Right? That's how he saw us. So our basic goal should be to forgive, love, and show kindness to them and realize that that sin that you did, that evil that you're participating in, that offense that you gave me, that does not define you because thank God, God does not define me that way. And so I'm going to love you that way. So this idea this morning uh, of do not repay evil with evil, it's pretty self-explanatory, right? There are some, some practical steps, though, that we can take. We, we have laid a groundwork for months of Paul's instruction and message and, and pointed out how God created things and his intended moral order, and we're going to move forward with a text like this with that understanding, but we still this morning can get some practical steps that we can take or maybe things that we can be on guard for to help us honor the word of God and to love our neighbors. At a time when conflict is easier to find than ever, And your belief in Jesus is more offensive than any time we've lived in. There are some, some things in the word of God we can look to to help make sure that we are loving as closely to Jesus as we can. That we are reflecting God's image to the world around us as we are instructed and commanded to do. So the first kind of practical thing that I think we can take from this text is Paul says to live at peace with everyone, right? Live at peace with everyone. So when we think about not repaying evil with evil, the low-hanging fruit of self-righteousness says, well, just don't do to them what they did to you. Like if they gossiped about you, you don't go gossip about them, right? That's... Pretty simple. And that is right. Like, don't do that. Right? But we often don't let it stop there. What we do, if we're not careful, is we just come up with better ways to repay them. Better ways 
to respond. We maybe not gossip about them, but maybe we avoid them like the plague. Maybe we cut them out of our lives. It's super easy to say, well, I'm not paying them back, right? What they did to me, I didn't do that back to them. I just don't want to see them anymore. I don't want anything to do with them. If we're not careful, that avoidance could very well be a form of payback. Could very well be returning an evil with evil, right? We should be inspecting our hearts to see if we have really forgiven them or if we just simply cut them off as a way to pay them back. It's easy to do, but something we need to be inspecting our hearts. There are boundaries to this, and we're going to talk about those here in a minute. But these are some of those self-righteous tendencies that, that my heart is prone to if we're not careful, right? And it's truly not loving as we will see. Paul also says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. We are to care for everyone, right? Remember, he's, he's writing about our enemies at this point. Yes, we, we saw last week we care for our brothers and sisters, but we also express loving words and actions to those in the world. Because as we saw last week, we are all created in the image of God. So every person, every being is infinitely valuable and we should treat them as such. So we are to act and speak courteously and kindly to those who are hostile. The way that we respond to our enemy should be different than that of the world. We act and speak courteously and kindly. And we don't do that in a way that's hostile in itself, right? We aren't kind to them in some way as a way to just like rub their nose in it. Which again, if we're not careful, our hearts can do that. Like we're not there in kind of this smug way to say, well, you were terrible, but here I am just Mother Teresa sacrificing and, and laying down as a way to, to rub their nose in it. I don't think we've fully gotten to forgiveness if we're doing that, remember that real love is genuine. It means it. And so if you're not doing that, we're not really loving our enemy the way we are instructed. So we just, we find ways to wish them well, right? Maybe we find common ground. We do helpful things. We speak respectively, respectfully to them. In our day and age, I'd say we just we still see them as a human being, right? We're so quick to point out that like God's mercy and grace is so good and I'm still so broken. We have very little of that to offer others, especially those that offend us. Kind of lastly, Paul points out that we should never avenge ourselves. We don't get even. So we forgive and we forgo any repayment that we think we are deserved, right? And here's where we're going to set some of those boundaries. Verse 9 of chapter 12 reminds us still that we are not truly loving when we enable someone to sin 
or sin against us. Remember, love hates evil and clings to good. And there are a lot of different degrees of hostility. And some may be so dangerous that to have anything to do with them would be to invite them to sin. So we are not asking you, Paul is not asking you to put yourself in those situations. In that case, the good that you can do them would be to stay away from them. Right? But we need to discern the motive behind our staying away. Is it avoidance? Is it a form of payback? Or is it a measured response aimed at blessing them in some way? Paul says, we don't need payback. Never avenge yourselves. Why don't we need payback, Paul? Why can we forgive? If you're a believer, you can do that because that's how the God of mercy dealt with us. While we were enemies, Christ died for us. So Paul is laying out an instruction for the church in Rome of how to be more like Jesus, how to do things differently than the world does them. And for us today, living in a time when it feels like we have more enemies than at any time we've experienced, these should be instructions that we pour into our hearts and and meditate on. What does it look like to be a disciple of Christ in my community right now, in my workplace right now, in the world right now? How do I act and conduct and, and, and still be faithful to Jesus? Well, we need to be looking to the word of God for that instruction. So that's what we pour in our hearts. The call is not for the Christian to make themselves a doormat that others can walk on. We're, we're not to love in ways that allow others to sin, but we are to love the world differently. And that includes our enemies, which means that you and I, if our faith is in Christ, we fight differently than the world as well. We fight differently than the world as well. Matthew 5, verse 38, last week we we looked to the words of Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount, and, and I think it's really helpful to look back to Matthew 5, verse 38 through 48 that we see that what Paul is telling the church of Rome is not something he came up with his own. He is showing them and reminding them how Jesus loved them. Matthew 5, 38. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, Turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Verse 43, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, 
so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Just as we said last week, it's Jesus that makes something like this possible. And it's Jesus that makes us strive to grow in love, not only for our brothers, but also our enemies. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus, though. The gospel of Jesus reminds us how patient God was and still is with us. That he held back his final judgment and instead led us to repentance. And he is patient now, having forgiven our ongoing flaws and failures. The mistakes you're going to make today and those tomorrow. You are forgiven. The gospel reminds us of that. Keeping our eyes on Jesus reminds us that we are still flawed and he is still good. The gospel of Jesus is how, like in Romans 12, 3, we can think of ourselves rightly or with sober judgment, the word says. That when we think of ourselves in the gospel, we realize still that we are lost, that we are sinners, that we are broken as lost as anyone else on the face of the earth. And we know that even though we still sin, we are wholly loved and justified by God. And so that means we have nothing to prove. That means we have nothing to prove to those around us who we think somehow have offended us or damaged our honor. We have nothing to prove to them. Because in the the sight of God, we are fully justified. The gospel of Jesus enables us to sincerely and lovingly share in others' rejoicing and suffering. Because Christ is our main joy. He is our righteousness and peace. And so we can love others in rejoicing and suffering. And lastly, the gospel of Jesus tells us that there is a judge and it's not you and it's not me. He can be trusted to make all things right. You and I don't need to get even. There is one who cares for you and this world who will make sure that there is a fair and right justice. And keeping our eyes on that gospel frees us to leave room for God's wrath to set things right as he sees fit. I don't have to worry about it. It frees me to keep my eyes on Jesus and his commands to love those around me. Living like this, though, is not easy. I've been stirred more and more 
just as the world just operates differently than anything that, that we've experienced. And I, I've been stuck more and more on the thought of the call to follow Jesus, to lay down your cross, but the idea of counting the cost and what that will cost us. Life like this is not easy. It's a living sacrifice, which I think at times has sound noble and great in a time when we live very comfortably. When the things that we believe are maybe not seen as offensive as they are today. When you're not really challenged, it seems easier. And now more than ever, those times when I get my eyes off of Jesus, I feel hopeless. When I look to him, I see all through his word and structure, instruction of how to follow him and what to expect. What to expect. All through the word, we see opposition. And we see conflict. And we say things like the gospel is offensive. Right? That sounds great until we're the ones offending people. And we're the ones creating enemies just by trying to be faithful. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus and not lose hope. That's why I think just this word has been so good for me is that even though following Jesus has a cost, that is only through and with Jesus that we can hope to have a little bit of love like he loves us. It is only through him that we have the promise of things to be set rightly. It is only through him that we have the hope of that someday the good judge will take care of it. That's not my problem to worry about. Paul says, I probably don't know as much as I think I do anyway. Right? He says not to think too highly of your own thoughts. It is only through the love of Jesus that we're able to love our brothers and sisters and those that we like and those that are easy to love and those that are not so easy to love and our enemies. We want to love like Jesus. We want to love like Jesus. Band, you guys can come back. We're going to take communion this morning. So I don't know that in, in messages as much focused on love as we've had the last two weeks, I can't think of a better transition into communion. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant, my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The only reason that we can love 
and would even want to love the way Paul shows us is because of this. Because God loved us first and sent his son. And so as we worship this morning, and I, and I hope that we can, we can still worship with, with joy and peace this morning knowing that we serve a good God who will avenge us in the right way, in a way that does not hurt our own witness, that does not distract others from seeing the true love of Jesus and maybe checking that evil in some of them. I hope that we can worship that way. So as we sing, we're just gonna open it up. If you, if you haven't gotten, there's, there's cup, communion cups on the table. You can do that and take as you feel is right. You don't have to be a member here. We just ask that your faith would be in Jesus. That in light of, of a text like this, that if, if you are carrying things in your heart, the Corinthians goes on to say that the taking the cup in, in a wrong way can be really harmful to you. And so as you hear this message, if you are carrying anger and hatred, not the righteous kind of anger, maybe, maybe to others, then it may be a great time for you before you take that to repent and turn to the Lord and say, take this from me. Like, like, like let me love like you, right? We just want to be serious about our faith when we take that. So let's, let's bow our heads and pray before we worship God. We just thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you loved us when we were still enemies, that while we were still opposed to you, that you pursued us, that you were patient and merciful, that you withheld judgment and gave us repentance, God. Would we be able to love like you? Would we be able to love those around us like you, especially our enemies, God? Would you help us to remember that the only hope that we have, the only hope that our world has is you? And that you have chosen us as the vehicle for spreading your good news. So Lord, would we do that seriously? That our conduct and how we respond to evils would be reflective of who you are. And just teach us, because God, we, we struggle to know what that looks like sometimes. Help us press into community and, and to our brothers and sisters to walk this out. To be faithful to you, God. Would you just be honored as we worship this morning? It's in your spirit to us. We love you and we praise you.